Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Drive for Show DFS for Doe here on Roto Grinders. Happy to be with you talking golf here for another week. I am Justin Van Zuden, aka STL Cardinals 84, shaking off the rust a little bit after a week off. Thanks to uh, Trey and uh, Noto and Jacob for filling in last week for the memorial. And uh, yeah, how was your guys' show last week? We'll bring in uh, usual co host, Notorious, always with us. AKA Derek Farnsworth. Noto, uh, how was the memorial for you guys? Yeah, it was fun having those two on. Definitely give a, a different perspective than we're used to. You know, Trey's all about ownership. Jacob's all about, uh, you know, swing, swing pass and uh, all that fun stuff. So it was uh, fun having them on. And I kind of liked hosting. You know, I didn't have to say a whole lot about the guys I like. Just, uh, you know, kept throwing questions to those two. Yeah, Noto's got it figured out now. See, I got the easy <laughs> gig here. He's going he's gonna to kick me out. Um, but, uh, yeah, kind of glad I, I wasn't uh, around last week. Cause I, I certainly wouldn't have pegged, uh, Horschel as the, uh, the favorite play and, and Saturday, he just kind of rocketed up the leaderboard and, uh, you know, it was his tournament to, uh, to lose at that point. So, uh, kudos to him on, a uh, kind of coasting victory there on Sunday, uh, at 13 under par shot that 65 on Saturday, uh, which put him in the lead for good. And 
uh, bogey free round. Didn't really do it all with the short game. He was pretty solid all across the board. So Horschel got the victory there last week. Uh, Aaron Wise, Patrick Cantlay, Joaquin Neiman, Max Homa, uh, Will Zalatoris, guys rounding out that top five and all players that were fairly popular in, in DFS last week as well. So would have been really interesting for the prize pools if they would have been competing for the uh, the top. But uh, yeah, Horschel wouldn't have been on my radar. So uh, what were some of your takeaways from uh, last week's tournament? Yeah, no exposure to Horschel for me. Um, just that great Saturday round, like you mentioned. And then, uh, I had a Homa outright. I had a Neiman outright. Both of them kind of made big runs on Sunday. So I was hoping for a, a Horschel collapse, um, similar to the one that we saw from Cam Young, uh, man, 12 over, he pulled a full Harold Varner. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I was hoping for that, but you know, he was just steady all day hitting a bunch of greens. I think he only had, you know, a couple bogeys and, uh, even when he was in trouble, he, you know, managed to get away with some bars. Then he made that long 50-foot eagle, and, uh, you know, all hope was crushed. So congrats to him. It was cool seeing, you know, his family run out there um, on the 18th green right after he won. Uh, I don't know what he told his daughters, but uh, they were a lot more excited after he, he said something to them. I don't know, getting them, uh, you know, some something special for him winning. I don't know. But, um, yeah, that was pretty cool. The little kid running out there too, little boy. Um, cool moment. You know, Horschel's one of those guys we like to, to hate on for his antics, but seems like a good dude, you know, loves golf, I think. He's different, which uh, is always good for the tour. So I'm glad he won. Um, other than you know, it cost me you know a little bit of money. He promised all the kids get a Porsche when they turn 16 <laughs> or something, and it's uh, who knows. But uh, yeah, it, we get in our little DFS bubbles and uh, like to to hate certain players, but uh, easy to remember in moments like that. Everybody's human and. Uh, entitled to to happiness, particularly in that moment. So good for Horschel, not great for our DFS lineups. I uh, did play a little bit last week on vacation, but uh, probably would have been better off if I had just let it go. Uh, still had to throw some golf lineups in, though, and that Sunday was crazy. You mentioned the round from Cam Young, and what's almost crazier is he had plenty of neighbors. Uh, Chan Kim shot an 83. Uh, K.H. Lee shot an 82. Uh, Cameron Tringali shot a 78, Troy Merritt shot an 80, uh, Johnny Vegas shot an 81, and uh, there was a couple other like 77, 78s on the, on the scoreboard there on Sunday. So, of course, did play pretty difficult. Uh, didn't see a whole lot of rounds under par on Sunday and uh, made that even par round with the lead. Uh, all that more impressive there from Horschel. And that's kind of the news of last week, which has – uh, quickly dissipated here as we head to Monday. We've got a, a busy week this week, and we've got a, a pretty weak tournament. We're the week before a major. We've got the U.S. Open next week, uh, so you're going to see a pretty weak field here. Uh, we've got a new course for the RBC Canadian Open, which we'll break down for you here over the next 45 minutes or so. Or so. Uh, but this tournament has not been contested for the last two years because of COVID. We've got a course that hasn't hosted this tournament for the last decade, uh, and really, you know, with the weak field kind of thins out the talking points a little bit. So we've got some time. We've got the U.S. Open next week. So all the big U.S. Open qualifiers have been taking place today uh, with guys trying to uh, to earn the final spots into the U.S. Open. And of course, the uh, uh, the new tour, the Saudi back tour uh, that everyone's been talking about over the past couple months. They're having their first event this week. And Phil Mickelson has finally broken his silence and said, uh, yeah, I'm going to play. He signed a, a gigantic uh, money deal to, to play in this first event in London this week. 
And that's kind of seemed to dominate the golf world headlines today. And uh, there's also some rumors about Ricky Fowler potentially joining up uh, with this new tour. So uh, your thoughts on all that news that's kind of hit here over the last 24 hours. I mean, my favorite rumor that's come out is that uh, Tiger Woods passed up figures in the high nines. Uh, so that's, uh, you know, close to a billion dollars passed up uh, from joining the live tour. You'd only have to play, you know, uh, I guess who knows how much he would have to play, but uh, it's good to see him not go over there. You know, Ricky, I really hope he doesn't go, but at this point I wouldn't blame him. You know, he's not making a ton of money on the PGA tour. All of these guys, I mean, this is their livelihood. It's not like, um, you know, they're just, they're just extremely uh, so much money. I mean, you can't, you can't blame these guys. I do hate the way that they try to justify it though. Just say you're taking it for the money. You know? Say I'm uh, taking my paycheck and I'm yeah. going for it. That's all you got to say. Nobody, well, I won't, shouldn't say nobody because keyboard warriors are going to have their way, but uh, most rational people aren't going to fault you for that. Yeah. And then the other interesting thing was Kevin Nob, you know, resigned from the PGA tour. So I think he's trying to get ahead of some legal stuff. So we'll see if, uh, you know, that kind of trends to, to the other players as well, but just an interesting time for golf. I don't know if it's good or bad. Um, competition is usually good, but this is not the competition that, uh, you know, we kind of want to see, but I don't know. Uh, I'm excited to see it get started and uh, I'm excited to see what the majors are going to do with all these guys as well. They rolled out a commercial spot over the weekend. That was the most generic looking commercial you could ever see. And the website right now looks like it was designed by a 12 year old. Uh, so don't get your hopes up for this fancy like shot tracker and stuff, though. They have said that they're going to have uh, streaming of the uh, tournament on their website, which I believe is like livegolf.com or something like that, uh, which is spelled L-I-V for those of you who aren't uh, familiar. But uh, it, it's just weird, the branding and uh, and all that stuff. And it just kind of seems like it's, you know, kind of been put together haphazardly. And I know our, our good buddy Wiley on Twitter has been comparing it to the Fire Festival, uh, which, again, yeah. if you're not familiar, was this uh, gigantic music festival that was supposed to take place a few years ago. Uh, it was supposed to have all these big name, you know, uh, rock and uh, R&B and, you know, uh, superstars of, of music at the time. Uh, time goes by so fast. Maybe it's been five or six years now. But anyway, uh, they sold all these really expensive tickets and it was in the supposed to be in the Bahamas or Jamaica or somewhere in the Caribbean. And, uh, you know, the, the first patrons started to get there and the, the first food offering was like PB and J sandwiches or something like that. And then they ended up basically finding out that this whole thing was a sham. Uh, I'm not saying that this live golf tour is that, but you know, Wiley's kind of been comparing it to that as far <laughs> as uh, just what it looks like in terms of the website and, and how, haphazardly it's all come together uh just makes one a little bit suspicious but with the money they're throwing around uh certainly feels like there's a little more backing there than than the fire festival had but uh for those of you that are are familiar with that uh it doesn't conjure up great uh, great memories so i don't know it'll be really interesting to see where it heads uh, they've got a 48 man field in uh, london this week and that kicks off on thursday as well so like mm -hmm. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, honestly, their best path to success would be to make it the best sweat in golf, you know, just develop the best shot tracker, uh, you know, mic up the caddies and all the golfers. So well, the commercial streaming. says fire finishes and intense rivalries and all I these mean, generic things. But I mean, the thing that we love the most is the sweat. That's why, you know, uh, golf has gotten so big over the last couple of years is betting in DFS and everyone just wants to see every shot and 
So I, their best path to success would be that, in my opinion. And uh, it doesn't look like they're going that route. They're just throwing money at anything that sticks. And uh, yeah, but it'll be, <laughs> I heard they're doing shotgun starts, maybe. I don't know. What yeah, that was in the do. commercial as well, though. I'm not sure what that adds. What does that no. add? <laughs> Less time to watch shorter golf tournament. I don't know. I, I don't get it. You know, I don't know. Are you like your guy starting on 14? Like, what? what is, I, I, it just makes no sense to me. And there, there's supposed to be like a team aspect to this, yeah. I guess. Nobody knows. But nobody knows. Like, exactly. <laughs> it's all, it's just all crazy. I, I have no idea. Um, but, I, you know, the hope, I guess, is that slowly the bigger name players start to go over. And if you start to get two top 10, top 15 players, and then you get another couple, and then, you know, that that's the key is it's got to take off. Like if they're, they have to be banking on it taking off, because if this is your, if this is your strength of field every week with only 48 golfers or or whatever it is, somewhere in that range, we talk about it all the time in the WGCs and stuff for DFS, the no cut events, like the DFS sweat is boring and mundane compared to your normal event with a cut and all that. And I get, you know, betting and stuff like that. Sure. But I, I don't know. I, it, it feels like in order for this to have extended traction and viewership and, you know, revenue and big TV deals and all that stuff, like you've got to get some of the bigger names to commit over time or else it's almost doomed to fail. You think? Yeah. And I think the argument is, you know, guys like uh, just the mid to high range guys like Sam Burns, you know, Terrell Haddon, a couple that are in this this week's field, they're going to see, you know, Lee Westwood making 10 times the money they are. And they're going to think, well, I could just go over there, play half the or a third of the tournaments and, you know, make way more money. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out after, you know, a month or so well, when all these guys are just making a ton of money and the PJ tour, you're grinding for your card or or whatever it may be, you're grinding cuts and, you know, playing every other week. So I mean, there's appeal to it from from a golfer standpoint, if you just take out the the morality aspect. Yeah, well, we'll see how that goes over time. Uh, Certainly something to monitor. We also, as I mentioned just a few minutes ago, had the U.S. Open qualifiers concluding today. Uh, Not a ton of big names have uh, qualified and Ricky Fowler failed in his qualification effort. But uh, this week is often a week where we do see quite a few withdrawals. Uh, from players who maybe qualify for the U.S. Open. But scanning the leaderboards uh, right before we came on the air, I didn't see a whole lot of noteworthy names uh, that I think we'd you know be sitting at big withdrawal risk this week. So some weeks we've had eight to ten guys withdraw from this tournament the week before the U.S. Open. Uh, I'm sure we'll have a few this week, but uh, maybe not quite as many as normal. So uh, any thoughts or anything else you want to get into on the U.S. Open qualifiers uh, before we, we head into this tournament? Haven't been paying too much attention. Uh, little man's first day of summer, so he's home uh, all day, every day with me. Uh, so I'm trying to get him to do, you know, some some uh, you know off season schoolwork and all that nonsense. So I haven't paid too much attention to the, the leaderboard yet, but I did see a 57 year old guy, local guy, um, qualify. So uh, I think that's a cool story. That's some of the the best part of these, uh, you know, qualifiers is hearing some of the stories of guys that you just never heard of. Yeah, for sure. Um... I didn't see who that was either uh, as far as the name goes, but the one, the big tournament, uh, the big qualifier is uh, generally one of the ones in Ohio uh, that I believe had 13 spots available. Um, And I'm going to pull up the leaderboard for that now, just to see 
<clears throat> about 30 minutes ago, that one was not completed yet. So we'll see where they're at now. So Wedgwood, um, they are wrapping up. It looks like uh, 13 spots available as far as the top guys in that uh, right now. Chan Kim uh, is 12 under. Davis Riley, Lanto Griffin, 11 under. Uh, Adam Shank, 9 under. Denny McCarthy, 7 under. Joel Damon, Patrick Rogers, 6 under. Uh, Adam Svensson, Wyndham Clark, Hayden Buckley, 5 under. And right now that would be the cutoff point. Uh, but again, a lot of these guys still have four or five holes to go. Uh, so again, not a lot of big names. I mean, a couple of those guys are in the field this week. None of them that are going to have extremely high ownership. Uh, Svensson would be the most interesting one because a he's Canadian uh, and B I always like to play him and I've tagged him up as a value this week. So he's the one I'm keeping an eye on, but not a lot of uh, big names that should shift the field a whole lot this week in terms of uh, DFS play. So uh, with that, we can go ahead and shift gears and finally start talking about this week's tournament. But again, I don't think it's going to take a ton of time for us to get through. We've got a new course. We've got a tournament that hasn't been contested since 2019 because of the pandemic. This is the only tournament on North American soil that got canceled each of the last two years. So, uh, I mean, course history, haven't seen this course in 12 years basically non-existent like is there anything related to history at this tournament that you would even remotely consider this week no i don't think so uh you mentioned 2010 the last time they played it carl Pedersen won and i don't even think we can put too much uh, of an emphasis on you know the scoring from back then uh golf has changed a ton technology has changed a ton and uh they've redone uh, a lot of the course i think they've widened the fairways they've taken out some trees so I don't think you should uh, wait course history at all. Um, in the first look, I did put just uh, RBC Canadian Open history. If you want to look at that for, you know, maybe guys just have good vibes uh, at this event. But I'm weighing course history with a zero uh, this week. As far as the course goes, it's uh, a par 70, just over 7,000 yards. So extremely short. And there are three par fives. Uh, which makes it even shorter. And four of the par threes are over 200 yards. So, I mean, this is going to be an extremely short course. The par fives should, they should just be able to feast on them if they hit the fairway. Uh, the par fours are look pretty easy on paper as well. Um, and who knows how the course is going to play. I mean, typically we see these as more technical tracks. Um, certainly don't have to be a bomber um, with the course that only measures 7,000 yards. Uh, I've heard differing reports about the fairways. Um, you know, Wiley just posted a text uh, on Twitter from somebody on the grounds. He said the, the fairways are pretty generous. Um, other people have said, you know, the rough's extremely penal, so you're going to have to hit all the fairways. Um, so I don't really know how it's going to play off the tee. I think just getting it in play is probably going to be your best bet. Approach is always a, a good statistic to rely on. And then uh, the greens themselves, they are bent grass. They used to be a mix of bent and poe, but they are now just uh, strictly bent grass if you want to look at those splits. Uh, and the idea what the winning score is going to be, I know it's uh, just a guess, but uh, Eric Patterson lives in Toronto. He said, uh, EPAT on Twitter, he said uh, there's going to be one to two inches of rain uh, tonight and tomorrow, so it's going to be you know extremely wet, extremely soft. I'm thinking we get to 20 under. What about you? Ooh, uh, the only thing that gives me a little pause in there is the par 70. You know, the, usually we see the extreme shootouts when you got four par fives, but you just don't see a whole lot of courses on the Like, when's the last time we've seen a 7,000-yard course? You know, anytime we yeah, see these... three par fives, yeah. Uh, yeah, we see, uh, you know, 
72, 7,300 yards is relatively short by PGA Tour standards these days. And you mentioned the par fives, even though we, we have one less than what you would on a par 72, um, they're going to be reachable in two for these guys. Uh, yeah, I, I, I was going to say 18, so I wouldn't be surprised if, if we get to 20. Maybe we'll we'll split the difference and we'll uh, we'll call our official guests for the show purposes 19 under. <laughs> you can put 20 in the survey. I'll put 18. We'll average yeah. it to we'll average it to 19. I, I think that's a pretty good range, for sure. That'll be perfect. Uh, any any other takes on the course? Uh, I I'm just listening to what everyone has to say this week. Yeah, no, I mean it seems like especially if they get a lot of rain and it's soft, you know, you're certainly not going to need to prioritize distance by any means. Um, gonna uh, maybe give a little bit more the the, the course. There's a lot of elevation changes and the greens are very slopey. Uh, so I, I do think this week uh, more so than 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 a lot of others. I, I think uh, guys who are feeling it with their short game right now and have some confidence on and around the greens, I do think that carries some weight this week. Yeah, if it does uh, turn into a, you know one of those events where everyone's hitting greens, uh, those putters come into play. So yeah, uh, I'm not weighing anything too heavily. Just uh, I think you're going to have to make a lot of birdies. All right, let's go ahead and dig in, and uh, we can talk about uh, the field here this week. And, uh, again, it's a relatively weak field, especially once we get to the mid-range, you'll really start to notice the the quick drop-off uh, the week before a major. Not surprising, uh, especially since we've had you know some big-name tournaments here over the last uh, month or so. Uh, so our 10K-plus names on DraftKings, we've got Scheffler, uh, Justin Thomas, Rory, Cam Smith, Shane Lowry, and Sam Burns. How are you quickly, uh, first glance, uh, ranking those top guys? I think I heard 12 of the top 25 in the world are here, and then it's just nobody else. Uh, so it's an interesting field for sure. Uh, definitely brings into play more of the, the Stars and Scrubs builds if you can get them because the, the 8Ks and 7Ks aren't as strong as they usually are. So uh, that's something to keep in mind this week. As far as the 10K options go, I think my favorite is going to be Rory. Um, he won this event, you know, the last time they played it. Not that it was at the same course, but um, he's been in great form. I mean, he typically gains strokes everywhere. Um, and then they just kind of take your chances on and around the greens. But, yeah, I like Rory. Uh, he's a little bit cheaper than JT and Scheffler, with that, which I think can come in handy. Also, like Shane Lowry, he's now had 12 straight starts of T35 or better uh, worldwide. So, guy that's just doing everything uh, pretty well right now. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Sam Burns coming off the win. You know, Cam Smith played great for, you know, two and a half rounds last week. Can never go wrong with Scheffler, uh, <laughs> especially if I fade him. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Who's your favorites up here? It's, it's Scheffler. I've learned my lesson now. It's okay. Scheffler. Until he gives us a reason not to, it's Scheffler because it's always Scheffler. Like, I finally played him, you know, and, and he and uh, he almost won me. again. Okay. And, yeah, he didn't burn me. And it's just every week it's Scheffler. And, nobody like, Scheffler always ends up being under-owned compared to the other top guys because we all want to look for reasons not to play Scheffler because, oh, he's the most expensive or, you know, he's got to let down soon. I'm done doing that for now, man. He's prime <laughs> tiger until he proves otherwise. So Scheffler, it's just an auto, <laughs> auto Scheffler. I'll go out on a limb here and say he's not going to have another birdie free round this week. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, as much as I don't want to do it, it just, it's Scheffler. So uh, I, I think the other guys are, are obviously in play, but again, right now we've got Rory and Thomas as the two highest owned 
I think in terms of creativity, um, I maybe give Thomas the edge. Uh, Rory is the defending champion, quote unquote, of this event. Again, not putting much stock into that, given that it was three years ago. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'll certainly keep those guys in my player pool. Uh, but, uh, you know, Lowry always tends to be a little under-owned as well. Like, and there will be sticker shock with Lowry at 10-1. Um, so I'll probably, probably keep him in my mix as well. Um, I don't know if this course sets up as well for, for Smith and Burns. So uh, they're probably a little under the others. But it's tough. It's tough to exclude these guys because – if you do it comparative to the rest of the field, like these guys aren't really overpriced, but then you get down, you know, you're paying 9,700 for Varner uh, or 9,200 for Munoz and nothing against those guys, but we're used to those guys being so much cheaper. So because there is such a stark drop off in the quality of the field, it's really hard to exclude these, some of these top guys because they're the most appropriately priced of the bunch. Yeah, that's a very good point. And I mean, how often do we see three guys uh, in the single digits in terms of their outright numbers? I mean, we never see that. We usually see barely see one guy um, in the single digits. And so right now, Scheffler, JT, Rory, all under 10 to 1 on most books, uh, which is pretty crazy. So obviously, a lot of the win equities coming up top. So yeah, I don't hate the idea of just getting some exposure to, you know, five of these guys, maybe five of the or four of the six. Um, and then just you just kind of going from there. Yeah, I think that's a decent strategy. Um, I'll certainly have a few more lineups with, uh, you know, maybe at least one of these guys for sure. Uh, and then, you know, kind of go from there after that. So, uh, but Scheffler, number one, just by default for now until he proves otherwise. All right. Uh, once we get into the nine K's, do see a little bit, at least in terms of our initial projected ownership uh, of things kind of, um, being with a lot of guys kind of in that low to mid teens in terms of ownership, no massive chalk emerging. Uh, you've got uh, Finau and Hatton and Connors, a few guys that have been pretty inconsistent uh, this year. You've got Hadwin, you know, Canadian guy. You've got Fitzpatrick, who I think is a nice fit for the course, uh, who I expected to be probably the chalk in this range. And maybe his ownership will grow, uh, but he did miss a cut in his last start. So uh, that was an abnormally poor short game performance from Fitzpatrick. I think he'll rebound with that putter. Uh, and the, you know, if you want to look at courses, kind of correlated courses to this, uh, this would seem to be a course that Fitzpatrick would, would take a liking to. So a little bit of conjecture there, but I like Fitzpatrick at the start of that nine K range. Uh, what are you looking at in there? Uh, yeah. So Fitz love Fitz this week. Over the last nine months, he's number one in this field of strokes game putting, and he gained 6.2 or 6.5 strokes tee to green last week in two rounds and missed the cut. Um, just like you mentioned, completely abnormal week. It's an outlier. Throw that out. He lost seven strokes putting. That's not going to happen again uh, in two rounds, probably the rest of the year. So uh, love fits. You mentioned the course fit. Um, he's been awesome. He's been a top 10 machine all year. And I know he hasn't won on the PGA Tour, but he does have seven wins in Europe. So I do think he's a winner. I think it's only a matter of time before he gets that first one in America uh, or Canada, in North America, I should say. Um, Varner feels overpriced to me, still feeling the burn from that final round of Colonial. Munoz kind of in that same um, overpriced a little bit, although he's been really good. He's just been very consistent. The TV Green's been there. But I like Connors. He gained over 10 strokes ball striking last week at Memorial. I just had a bad short game week. 
I think Hatton's interesting. Finau has been playing better, but I really want a down week from him because I love him at the U.S. Open. So I'll probably have some shares, just not as much as uh, the 17% that we haven't projected for. And then Kirk. I've just been playing Kirk every week. He continues to play well. Uh, he's He's got a very similar skill set to uh, Matt Fitzpatrick, just a little bit worse of a putter. But he's gained off the tee in 14 straight events. Chris Kirk, a guy that uh, you don't think of as a good driver of the ball. So uh, he's going to put himself in good spots, especially if these fairways end up being tough to hit. I think that's a big uh, edge for him. Yeah, I like that call. He's a guy that I have missed on throughout a lot of that run. So similar to Scheffler with you, it's tough for me to jump aboard uh, with uh, with Kirk after missing a good. Uh, I've played him a few times, I guess, but if you played him every week, uh, certainly you're you're ahead of uh, where most of the field has been with him. Uh, given his uh, 2022 season, stats are, are pretty rock solid across the board and at 9,100 doesn't seem like he's that overpriced relatively speaking in this field. Uh, anybody you are off in this range? I, just, I don't think I'm going to play like the bombers. So I'm going to be lower on fee now. I'm probably going to be off a uh, kill Keith Mitchell. I don't know what to do with Hadron. I think it's a good course fit for him, but I like Connor so much more at 300 more. If I'm going to play a Canadian in this range, um, what are you doing with Hadron? Yeah, I like him. Um, you know, I think, again, on DraftKings, it's a little bit of sticker shock. Uh, relatively speaking, he's a little better on FanDuel where he's right over the average uh, at 10-1. So uh, I like him a lot on FanDuel. On, you know, but on DraftKings, I, I think if that ownership, especially if it starts to trend down a little bit, you know, you, you look back in late March, early April, he had three top 10s in a row. Uh, filtered the last 36 rounds. He's 13th in this field in approach and seventh around the green. So again, if you're putting priorities on approach play and, you know, a short game play, I think Hadwin is fine. Uh, yeah. Certainly Connors has the, you know, more consistent history with the ball striking. Uh, and I think that's where a lot of people will end up going, but uh, yeah, I like Hadwin. I, I think he's better on FanDuel and I think he's better in GPPs. I think if you're doing single entry or you're doing cash games this week. I, I, he probably doesn't make sense. Yeah, and the thing with Hadwin, he might be my favorite bet of the week. He's fifty to one, which is you know yeah, that awesome. should that shouldn't um, be he shouldn't be that high in this field. And he's ninety three hundred on DraftKings, so it's just a, it's just a weird mix of matching up odds and and salary, just because it's so top heavy. Yeah, yeah, and there are a few discrepancies in salaries between DraftKings and and FanDuel this week and Yahoo. So you uh, don't see that a whole lot these days, but just based on the field and. Uh, you know, salaries came out a little bit later than normal today um, on Monday as well. So uh, some opportunities to to maybe take advantage in the betting markets or, or in, in the different DFS sites this week. All right. I agree with you on I'm kind of off the bombers this week. I play Finau a lot, but I am not on him this week either. And uh, like you, uh, an implosion this week would be just fine uh, yeah. if that's going to get everyone off of him for, for next week. So uh, I was very tilted by Patrick Reed last week, because as everybody knows, I never play him. Uh, and then he backdoored a made cut with uh, two or three under par round on Friday. Uh, and that uh, annoyed me because at one good tournament and Patrick Reed becomes chalky again. And I know we talked about this a couple weeks ago when he was like 7,500 or whatever. Uh, and that was fine, but he was, you know, the price is back up and he just snuck through the cut last week and, uh, whatever it irritated me, but now back to 8,900 for Patrick Reed and 10% ownership. No, thanks. 
on uh, on Reed for me. But this is where we start to see this field. I mean, you've got Mackenzie Hughes and Justin Rose in the eight Ks, the high eight Ks, and it's just it's it's strange to see that this is why the Stars and Scrubs lineup will become a little bit popular because, I mean, frankly from 83 to 8900 i don't see anybody in there that that i have to have i mean vegas is fine but he imploded on sunday last week as well and he's probably going to be the chalkiest so i I don't really like anyone from 83 to to 89 i don't think i agree and then my favorite plays are below 8300 so uh you guys can do the the quick math there on who we're talking about uh, but in that range, hey, I've played Patrick Reed two weeks in a row. And uh, T7, T53, not terrible. Um, he switched back to his old driver, um, and he's gained off the T, I think, in three of his last five now. Uh, the irons have been okay. We know the short game's there. And speaking of juicy outright numbers, he's 65-1 to one this week on DraftKings. I like that number. Uh, you can, you know, sprinkle in the top 10 as well. Uh, but, yeah, I'm with you on Rose. Just never a guy that you can peg. Um Tigala, I think he's better suited for those longer tracks. Vegas is fine. But, yeah, for me, it's all about Brendan Todd, C.T. Pan. So Todd's a guy that hits a ton of fairways, elite putter, and he's gained on approach in five of his last six, coming off of one of his best finishes of the year. I like that quite a bit. And C.T. Pan, quietly, just similar skill set to Todd and that hits a ton of fairways, very good, except he's good with the irons instead of the putter. Um, and so I like him as well at 8,100. Yeah, I like the, those are the type of guys I'm going at this week. Um, Todd is certainly my favorite. You know, uh, I've had anti-Brendan Todd bias for years since we've been playing DFS, you know, back during the stretch when he was horrible. But uh, he's going to hit fairways and greens. We know he can putt. Uh, and and he's, you know, 8,200, not bad. Uh, I believe his last start, he finished third. So uh, pretty solid for, for 8,200 when you consider his neighbors in salary. So, uh, give me Todd at 8,200 and then kind of starting to roll down into the, uh, the higher end of the, uh, the seven K range. Uh, Aaron Rye is a guy that I've played quite a bit uh, at, at 7,900. Mark Hubbard makes a lot of cuts. Uh, I mean, it, it really starts to, to get thin down here in the seven Ks. Uh, and there's not going to be a whole lot of other guys that, you know, were jumping up and down to roster, but uh, anybody that stands out to you in the kind of 76 to 7,900 range? Uh, for whatever reason, my model always loves Pat Perez. Um, he's kind of played a little bit better recently. Uh, 12th and the 26th his last two times out. Mostly been short game, which I never love, but um, he's better on these shorter courses. Uh, he tends to lose a lot of strokes off the tee. So if he can club down, uh, the rest of his game is pretty solid. You mentioned Rye and Hubbard. I think they're both uh, strong options in the high, you know, sevens. You know, Rye's more of a ball striker. Hubbard's more of a short game guy. But I think they both, you know, fit this course pretty well. After that, man, I don't like anybody else. I wish I had something, but I don't. Champ, Spawn, Long, I'll, I'll fade all those guys. Yeah, it's just uh, – and right now we've got Smotherman with some ownership. Uh, Smalley we've played a lot in the past, but a lot of these guys haven't shown – anything lately. Um, I read a lot of positive things on Danny Willett heading into last week. I played him for the first time in probably about three years uh, and he shot like nine over. So that was a one and done uh, attempt at, uh, at playing some Danny Willett. You know, Martin Laird hasn't done much lately. So it just starts to get really ugly as we get down towards the bottom end of the seven K range. The one guy 
that uh, that kind of stood out to me uh, that's had some pretty solid form. Doesn't play on the uh, you know a ton on the PGA Tour, uh, yes. but David Lipsky's been playing really yes. well. And you know I, I, I see our our projections kind of like him. Looks like your model numbers kind of like him. I kind of like him. So I mean, is he going to be the guy that a lot of people end up gravitating towards? <laughs> really weak field, but uh, relatively speaking. Give me some 7,300 David Lipsky. Never thought I'd be saying that. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Um, he's been playing pretty well in like the, the low sevens, high sixes. So not much of a sticker shock there with him at 7,300. Um, he's been good on approach, gained in five of the last six. He loves bent grass greens. So I'm with you there. And then uh, Jamino, who does our, our projections, he always, uh, you know, writes me about why is Schwab popping in my model every week. He uh, pops up in my model, and I, I say the same thing. I don't know why his stats aren't that great. Um, he's really good around the greens. That's about it. But yeah, for whatever reason, uh, our models like Matthias Schwab. So if you want to trust the numbers, uh, I guess you play him at seventy three as well. And they really like him. Our uh, lineup HQ right now has him at twelve percent for a top five. I'll take the under on that. Uh, 12% for top five. I think <laughs> if you really believe that hammer, number hammer that one, yeah. run and bet uh, Schwab for a top five. Uh, but uh, I think that's probably a little hot, but I, and I don't mind him, but uh, it, especially given the strength of this field, you know, I, I think he's all right to roster, but uh, I do think maybe our, our projections are just a, a tad hot on, uh, on him. But I, I got to say, you know, ever since Jamino started doing some of the projection stuff, like uh, the the model liked Mito before, you know, we kind of did over the the last year or so, but uh, the model numbers uh, have, have liked him a lot. And then, uh, you know, he went out and almost won a major. So maybe the model is onto something with, uh, with Schwab. We'll see. He posts that top five this week. Uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll buy Jamino a, a drink. Anybody else above 7K that uh, that catches your eye? Uh, Nate Lashley, a guy that I haven't said in a very long time. He pops for me a little bit. Hasn't been in great form, but when he does make the cut, um, so he's finished T27 or better in six of his last nine if you take out the WD. So that's at least, you know, some sign of form. Uh, Sabatini, you mentioned Spenson. Uh, I like him quite a bit. If you want to play the Canadian angle, you can certainly do that. He's very good with his irons. So he like he's not he's not pulling out of this event just because no. he qualifies for the U.S. Open. It's not like he's a. This is know, his major. I mean, come on. Yeah, it's it's he's Canadian, and it's not like he's you know presumably not like he's got <laughs> yeah. millions banked, um, you know, and just okay qualifying for the U.S. Open. So, uh, although I do think that that qualifier got interrupted it's been on the same holes for like 30 minutes, 45 minutes. So either a, the scoring isn't updating, which is very possible or B they've been interrupted by weather, which I think is what has happened because I know there's a lot of rain going through Ohio. So they might not finish that till tomorrow, but uh, uh, in any case, I, I don't think he's at this severe withdrawal risk. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the big question, what are you doing with Doug Gim? 7k. <laughs> Uh, I was a little tilted that he made the cut last week because we broke up a few weeks back. Uh, and then, you know, I take a, take a week off the show and, and he was in the mix, like heading into Saturday, he was maybe top 10 or so. And I mean, top 20, he, he was at least in striking distance, but he shot a 78 on Sunday and dropped to 60th hanging out with Cam Young there, uh, last week. So, 
I, I don't know. The short game numbers are just just too rough. Like the first round, he lost 2.6 putting. The fourth round, he lost 1.9 putting, didn't make any birdies. It's a weak field, but I, I just I don't think I can go there. I've tried it too often. Yeah, Especially I if he's going to be popular. Game. So I'm with you. <laughs> Your model doesn't hate him compared no. to the – he likes him, but uh, or it, he likes it. It likes him, uh, but you know, double digit ownership on Gim. He'll probably make the cut. I just worry about his upside because of his putter. If you want to go for the upside, the guy that used to be the cut maker, you can just take Adam Shank at six point nine k. Nine point three strokes ball striking gained last week in Memorial. Um, yeah, I don't mind him at that yeah. salary. Nice price point too. Hashtag nice. Uh, yeah, I like uh, him a little bit. The thing with the numbers at Memorial is they're, they're always so misleading because there's so many big numbers out there that I remember last year or the year before Joel Damon lost like 16 strokes ball striking. So his numbers, anytime he ran any kind of model, were off for like six months. But uh, yeah, the fact that he gained it is, is uh, at least somewhat interesting. They're Going saying there's down. a big disparity from the good and the bad because of the big scores. That Yeah. Yeah. So like Cam Young, like if you just looked at, percentage of round gain from last week he'd be great because he gained in three or four but instead he's gonna you're gonna look at his numbers and he's gonna lose like six strokes or something from one bad round because it was all anyway uh so that's just a random data thought there Uh, i like bryce garnett a little bit at 6700 danny lee's a guy that can make a lot of birdies i don't mind him um he for a reason he's played this event great over over the years and that's about it. Um, I'm seeing Robert Garrigus. I thought he went over to the, the Saudi league. I thought he did as well. Maybe they didn't want him. <laughs> they sent him back. <laughs> Once they got Phil, he was the last man out. Now I got to find some news on this. Set. So, yeah, <laughs> there's a, uh, apparently a Twitter account called Live Tout. Um that said, where is Robert Garrigus? We demand answers. <laughs> I promise it's not by burner. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I don't know. Like, did they did they say no thanks to him? Uh, Maybe the PGA Tour said he could smoke weed now, so he's back. <laughs> he's good to go. Uh, that's interesting. Uh, well, I think I'm still off of Garrigus for now. Ever since I saw him putting with the little kids putter at that event about two months ago uh i was looking at our projections uh that jimino does and scott gucheski scotty g third in uh point per dollar ratings right now now those are very skewed i told jimino we gotta we gotta have a manual edit <laughs> here did, because right well. now <laughs> right now matt mike weir is the best point per dollar play in the field and i'm gonna go out on a limb and say that that's probably not correct yeah so, I, I was gonna not say that not uh throw him under the bus there but uh, no. yeah, he, he apparently is pulling in uh data from the the champions tour so maybe so that's- yeah that's got that's got to be what it is because weir's been playing on the champions tour he probably hasn't made a cut on the pga tour in a decade um but uh no I, that's all in good fun uh the uh the numbers that get there eventually but it, sometimes uh, with the model numbers they get a little bit weird if the the players haven't played too many events on the pga tour but gacheski is not that guy he's uh, he's been playing on the pga tour and he's done okay i mean relatively speaking he's been okay uh he's and you're not gonna find money. much 
Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to find much at six K, you know, to, to 6,500 that you're really running up and down to, to roster. So uh, he's probably the most in play of anybody under 6,600 that it's not a ringing endorsement, but it's there. If you, if you want to dig deep. Yeah. Give me Scotty G over Doug Gim straight up at one tenth ownership. (laughs) I'm probably not going below Shank. Uh, I'm fine with Shank. I don't think I'm going below Shank. Let me see if there's anybody else. That, Hoffman's uh, in there. Where the, where the mighty have fallen. Uh, Norlander, Ryder, Bo Hogue. That's about it for me and my model. Don't really like any of them, though. Yeah, I just I don't know. I can't see myself uh, getting Carlos, Carlos Ortiz. He's falling off so a good. cliff. Sixty seven hundred. How wild is that? What's his? Uh, you got his recent his recent performances there. He made the cut last week, but uh, was almost dead last. And then he's actually made three or five cuts and one missed cut on the number. It's not terrible. No, oh, I would have guessed worse than that. I think he might have had a, a couple bad, of those yeah. missed cuts. Might have been ugly. Yeah, but uh, yeah, there, there's not a whole lot digging down into the, the the 6K range to get super excited about this week. So I don't think I have anybody else on uh, on my radar. And uh, Shank at 6900 is probably the end of my player pool. I don't see anything in the way of questions. Somebody in the YouTube chat did mention that Danny Woodhead, former NFL running back, was in one of the U.S. Open qualifiers today. Did not qualify, but. Uh, still interesting to see some of those names that uh, you know end up giving it a shot and and are pretty good golfers. So, yeah, that's pretty awesome. I remember back in the Outlaw Tour days, we were trying to get somebody in the DFS industry to go play uh, in one of those events because you just had to pay. I don't think you had to do have any qualifications. But uh, yeah, that was cool story for Woodhead. It would have been cool to see him make it. And so that's what we have uh, next week. We've got the U.S. Open uh, in uh, Brookline, uh, Massachusetts next week. So should be really interesting to see how the course is set up, uh, how the first live tournament plays. The Phil Mickelson storylines will surely be uh, rolling next week, uh, assuming he comes back over to play in the U.S. Open. Uh, and it's always fun to uh, to talk major championship golf and uh, what will surely be a difficult course test. So uh, come back next week. We'll have you covered for the U S open until then uh, enjoy the RBC Canadian open. Thanks to Noto for joining me. Thanks to uh, Steve for producing behind the scenes for us. Appreciate everybody hanging out with us and uh, check us out over at rotogrinders.com. If you want to check out some of our projections and uh, advanced lineup building tools, and of course, premium articles uh, and content from, from Noto and myself, get yourself a premium subscription can also check us out at scoresandodds.com for some uh, goodies on uh, sports betting. So uh, with that, we'll call it a week. Thanks again to Noto and Steve for producing. I'm Justin, and we'll see you next week, everybody, for the U.S. Open. Take care. 